If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, October 13, 2021. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by Texas Treat Latino Heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds, the globe trotting, head shotting, the square from Times Square, Andy <laughs> Cortez. I saw the that square in the, Times Square. I saw that, yeah, puts the square in Times Square. I saw that in the comments of uh, Gamescast today. That was killing me this morning. Very great, funny great stuff. comment. Very um, funny stuff. Good morning, Timothy Geddes. Good morning. Mm-hmm. It's a good day to be here with you. I'm feeling great. Some of us not feeling so great. Blessing lost his voice. So I have to pop in here last minute. He prepped the show. So we're going in. We're going in just totally blind here, Andy. Me and you. Okay. A brand new adventure. It's a whole new world to be in. A whole new way to see. Uh, But you still got to catch them all to be the best that you can be. Uh, Today's stories include a new Star Wars game announcement incoming, a brand new game studio, and Switch OLED having a better launch than Switch because this it's kind of funny games daily. We're each and every weekday at 10 a.m. right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. Re, we, we, we run Re. you through all <laughs> the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. Or if you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, or just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny games daily, and we will be right there. For you, if you wanted to get the show ad-free, though, you got to go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, just like our Patreon producers Pranksy and Blackjack have done. But if you don't have bucks to toss our way that way, it's cool. You're out there buying video games, and if you're buying video games on the Epic Game Store, make sure you're using our Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny, and that'll help support us without costing you any additional dollars. Even if you're getting the V bucks, if you're getting the what are Rocket League dollars called, Andy? uh r- r- rocket dinero if you got any of those rocket yeah. dineros out there you can throw them our way that would be fantastic uh a little housekeeping for you this week's episode of psi love you xoxo is up now our games cast is up now we talk about our experience with metroid dread i have now beat it tam got a lot further of course tam joining us that's a fun thing on the games cast and andy and barrett giving their impressions um with pretty much their first metroid games so that's very exciting stuff uh tomorrow the Blessing Show returns as a YouTube premiere. Tune in at 9 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube.com slash games as we break down what's up and what Bless keeps calling a very loopy episode. You ready to get loopy, Andy? Oh, oh, it's one of them. It's one of them. I know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I can get, I can bet what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today we're brought to you by Purple Mattress, Demon Slayer, and Raycon. But we'll tell you all about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven news stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting off with uh, something that I'm really interested to talk to you about, Andy, because this seems like the tease of all teases that I'm not quite sure is going to lead anywhere interesting. But 
Disney teases a Star Wars video game announcement for December. This comes from Jared Moore at IGN. Disney and Lucasfilm have teased a Star Wars video game announcement for December as part of a publishing campaign that will reveal new Star Wars products every Tuesday for the rest of the year. As announced in an article on their official Star Wars website, the companies have launched their Bring Home the Bounty campaign, which will see new Star Wars toys, collectibles, books, apparel, and more revealed on a weekly basis from now until the end of December. Disney's given fans a glimpse into what they might expect from potential announcements across the campaign through an interactive poster on its site. Each week on the poster details different characters and memorabilia from across the franchise. However, on December 14th, Disney has instead opted to lead with the image of a gamepad, hinting that there may be a new Star Wars game announcement on its way. Kev, can you bring up this uh, image here? so that we can look at the calendar that they are referencing. Uh, yeah, give me two seconds. Do your thing. I hope they are all Funkos. <laughs> all of them. Just all Funko Pops. <laughs> Even the game, just like the Gears yeah. Funko game. Here's a gamepad. Here's a gamepad for Funko. Bam. All right. So there we go. So we're seeing uh, all the different weeks starting week one, week two, week three with like familiar characters. But if you go down to week 10, Kevin. There you see it. The one that sticks out the how about most. That? Well, how just about that? that just that gamepad there. So yeah, very clearly a console game experience, right? So the chance of this being some like super small little like mobile title, probably unlikely. But this doesn't necessarily mean it's Jedi Fall in order too. It definitely could be, uh, especially keeping with the bounty hunters theme, maybe like DLC or some update for that Star Wars Hunters game. Is that what it's called? That's on right. Switch. And if I'm being honest with you, Andy, is that game even out yet? I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. That's okay. the one that I see uh, John Drake always kind of tweeting it because he works, obviously, and it's one of his products. But I've seen him talk about Star Wars Hunters. And I think that's just kind of a a smaller title that I don't know if they would necessarily... I don't know if it would necessitate a tease in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, does a action figure of the trash can robot on November 30th necessitate a tease? Probably not. Um, I hope it's something Fallen Order related. One of the Game Awards. Maybe it's oh. a find out more about the Game Awards. Excellent. Excellent question, Andy Cortez. I thought the same thing as you did. So I went to thegameawards.com uh, to confirm that the Game Awards are live on December 9th. So it's close to it, but it is not there. And that is after the Game Awards. If it was before the Game Awards, I'd be like, okay, maybe they're going to announce something like you just said of like, right. hey, Check, here's a tease, check out more at the Game Awards. But this way doesn't make as much sense. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not super... Uh, I don't really necessarily know what it means. What I'm most annoyed by right now is th- that the Game Awards kerning between the AW and the A letters really mm-hmm. off, Tim, really, really off. Um, yeah. This is kind of a bummer because I was really hoping that the dates kind of fell perfectly in line and we are going to see... I mean, it, maybe it's... A better look at at Ubisoft's game. Maybe it's is that too early to say? I imagine, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to look at Star Wars games as a whole right now because you know we've had them with the EA license for so long that we kind of have an understanding of the cadence of when those games are coming or not coming uh, as they get canceled. But then now that it's kind of like branching out a little bit, and there's like you get a Star Wars game, you get a Star Wars game. We're still in that transition period of like really being able to see the roadmap of getting consistent Star Wars titles just that are nonstop happening like back in the PS2 era of games that like we just kind of expected yeah there's gonna be a bunch of Star Wars games and there are now announced that it feels inevitable that we're gonna hit a similar 
kind of pace at some point with these announcements. Uh, but we have things like the Hunter. We know that Jedi Fallen Order 2 is going to happen at some point. I don't think there's a chance that either the Game Awards or whatever this is, is that. I And especially with, with KOTOR remake being announced so uh, recently. Like, that is a huge, huge Star Wars announcement. Like, debatably the biggest Star Wars announcement you can possibly make in the video game world. So I don't see them kind of going that hard this soon without more to show on some of the other projects, especially because the massive game from UB that you're talking about uh, still to me feels a ways away. Like that seems like a, maybe we'll see first hints of it at Ubisoft forward around D3 next year. Maybe some stills or some concept art. I would, I mean, in an ideal world, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm praying to, to Jesus at night, our Lord and savior, and I wake up the next day and it's like, here's a rundown of everything the star Wars games are doing. Here's a quick kind of tease of like, this is what Respawn is working on next. Check it out. It's a little tiny little tease. I don't need anything to kind of hold me over. I don't need anything like, you know, really meaty and, and uh, a gigantic meal, Tim. Just a little, mm -hmm. t just a little tease, you know. Yeah, just a little crumb. Teases, man. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like thinking about this, like the what do they call them? This whole thing, the bounty hunter or something bring home the bounty campaign like it makes sense we know that this is leading into uh book of boba fett coming out at the end of this year at the very very end of this year so um it makes sense that they kind of align a lot of that the campaigns and wherever that uh hunter's game hold on i want to look this up because like if the hunter's game were to come out that day or something that would make a lot of sense branding wise hunter's game is just initial release date 2021 i mean they're running out of time Right, so just based off the little Google initial release date thing. Well, you go to the website; accurate. it says arriving in twenty twenty two. Oh, cool. Now. Okay. <laughs> oh, it does. Okay. Well, Google well, showing the wrong year. Still, then I, I still think that that uh, leads to a lot of likelihood that whatever this is might be an announcement of a release date for that or something. Right? Like, it's not necessarily going to be a, a game announcement. It could just be a game update. And I think getting a, a release date for Hunters is the right level of hype for the way this calendar is presented next to that Gonk droid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope it's uh at this point yeah i'm probably betting on hunters now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's do you think that we're gonna hit a point like i'm talking about of getting like a constant feed of good enough star wars games that can range to amazing every once in a while i i i don't know about this hunters game this hunters game seems like it's kind of the you have to have a game in that space that exists in that sort of mobile space. Um, but if, I mean, Respawn sort of broke the mold. Respawn showed that you can, Respawn sort of showed and, you know, made everybody believe in single player campaign games again. So I totally believe that we can continue to get on a roll and start to get some more entertaining and uh, games worth substance. And not just, this isn't just Battlefront. This isn't some battle pass. It's here's a single player campaign game. Um, I, I noticed, um, something interesting that kind of has to do a little bit with Yubi and massive or whatever, but their avatar game is a first person shooter. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. If you go, uh, hmm. I believe if you go to their website or if you kind of look at their, there, there's some sort of press release that says like, you know, the new avatar game is a first person action game or something like that, which kind of threw me off because what if. I mean, we all assumed it would be a third person thing. We all assumed that it would be sort of a vision. 
it would be Avatar, but it would be the division, but looking like Avatar, and the new Star Wars game would be the division, but here's it is in the Star Wars universe. So I I'm more curious about what does that Star Wars game look like right now? Mm-hmm. What are they pushing for? What's the vision for it? Because God dang, I mean, nothing to do with with that studio in particular, but we're seeing new, you know, X Defiant. What happened with that? What's going yeah. on with Ghost Recon Frontline that just you know kind of postponed a test? And I saw a fantastic tweet from Imran this morning of like, I just got back from vacation. What's Ghost Recon Frontline? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so curious as to what is happening internally at those Ubisoft studios, especially in regards to the Star Wars property, because you cannot fuck that up. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, you can, and it has been done many well, no, times. I, but at this point, I know. I, yeah, exactly. It's like I they, mean, just I mean, really just after can. the success of of um, Fallen Order, a Fallen Order, correct? Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, and and honestly, like the success of Fallen Order, and when you look at it too, like EA obviously really, you know, bungled the whole licensing deal when it comes to Star Wars. But at the end of the day, Star Wars Battlefront, beautiful game. There's a lot of there's a great core there, and over time, from Everyone that's playing it's like claims they fixed a lot of the problems with the the game. So if a Battlefront three were to come out, I'm a lot more hopeful for it than I, I would have been a couple of years ago. And even with uh, Star Wars Squadrons that came out last year, it's like that's them doing something different and kind of doubling down in these genres. Because Star Wars is that the perfect type of property that can have a million different games and a million different genres because there's a lot in the the galaxy far, far away to be able to tap into. Uh, You bring up the Ubisoft thing is interesting, though, especially with the Avatar first-person stuff. Like, that actually gets me more excited for the game, not knowing anything about it. Like, the potential of it not being so much a first-person shooter, but what if it was a Metroid Prime-type game? Like, much more of a first-person adventure situation where like, like there is combat but that's not like the the main point of it it's more of that metroidvania in 3d type vibe in first person which we don't have too many games like that maybe that's asking too much for that but i don't know there's a definitely a talented team working on it so yeah i'm, I'm just so I, i'm so interested to see what the hell can bring people back to the world of avatar i know it's like one Andorra. of the most made fun of it's one of the world's most made fun of properties and um i hope that they can get us interested in it again i i'm very very uh, i don't know i'm i'm not feeling too confident to be honest with you you know yeah i love the way you said that (laughs) it's all riding on andy's confidence i feel you though it's going to be an uphill battle for them to sell avatar as an ip next year like it's just been so long but we got the new movie coming out next year, hopefully, like at least what they're saying. So it's like, I do think that Avatar is going yes. to not be as irrelevant as it feels right now, where it's like, what the fuck? Why are you making a game now? That's weird. But I think that at some point it's going to be like, oh, okay, cool. There, This all makes sense. There's like cross-promotional shit going on. But even then, Did I don't... you say the movie's next year? Yeah, at the end of next year. Shut the fuck up. Wow. Yeah. December 16th. Oh my God. I can't believe that we're kind of this uh, we're in the it. end game now no yeah. way no way <laughs> announcing it right now avatar in review it's happening baby <laughs> james cameron it's not too soon to kind of cut it's not too soon yeah. to cut it off moving on to the next story here some breaking news that just came in and andy i'm sorry to have to tell you but it's not too bad solar ash being delayed uh this comes from heart machine uh, hq officials twitter account saying we are delaying release of solar ash until december 2nd 
2021. Heart Machine and Annapurna Interactive have decided to delay the release of Solar Ash until December 2nd, 2021. We want Solar Ash to shine and we need a bit more time to get the last pieces of polish and bug fixes into the game while still navigating this global pandemic as a highly dedicated team. The short delay will help us get there. Thank you for understanding and we'll see you in the Ultra Void soon. How much do you love Ultra Void, Andy? Ultra Void is just, I mean, god dang, that that's such a good little phrase right there. To just a little one-two punch, Ultra and Void. Um, I I'm always worried about delays this short, but I based on what I what I saw, it does seem like this game is pretty much done, and at this point, it is going to become just a lot of finalizing and kind of making the game not as buggy as it as it can be at launch. Um, yeah, the short delays always kind of worry me because it's like, what can you legitimately get done in that short amount of time without kind of making your workers do a lot of crunch in those final few hours leading up to hitting that launch button? But um, I don't know. I'm confident in that studio and I'm confident that they are far along enough that they're just like, yeah, it's just, you know, we got to tidy up the place a little bit. Let's just, you yeah. know, you click the button that says fix the bugs and then it works, you know. Totally. And another thing to keep in mind is sometimes delays like this, especially when they're this short, aren't necessarily even about the game itself. Like it's not bug fixing or anything. It's more just getting the PR strategy in line and, you know, getting all the, the you know, retail releases and like all the, just the, the dumb shit that like isn't necessarily the fun stuff. The, yeah. the thing that the people making the game are stoked about, but still need to get done. And it's the difference between a successful launch and a failure. Like, you know, for the PR side, making sure the game's getting the right hands of reviewers that it's getting out there for influencers to be able to play and all that stuff it's like that really can uh, define whether or not your especially uh indie type title like this succeeds or fails right so i think it'd be my guess is it's more on that side than them bug fixing up to the last moment but and i i also I, I also want to point out that i for some reason i thought this game was more of a mid-november release as opposed to october 26th um so i feel I feel better about that now, Tim. Mm. I'm a changed man. I've learned. Good. Very happy. Very mm. happy. Get into the ultra void. Mm. Uh, next news story here. A new game studio approaches possibility space. This comes from Ryan McCaffrey at IGN. Jeff Strain, the founder of State of Decay developer Undead Labs, who previously worked at ArenaNet and as the original lead programmer on Worlds of Warcraft, has started a new game development studio in New Orleans called Possibility Space. The studio will be a distributed team, meaning employees can work from anywhere, and the team aims to create a AAA game. The phrase AAA has a lot of baggage in the development community, straight and clarified to IGN, so it's not a phrase I like to use. It often implies a lack of innovation. Developers are often not viewing AAA as a positive, but are we going to... But, but sorry, is, is, are we going for a small-scale, purely innovation-based... Got it. Got it, it's, cool. They're asking a question right there. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But are we going for a small-scale, purely innovation innovation-based attempt to capture a niche market or do we have big ambitious goals and the resources to match those big ambitious goals i can tell you it's very much the latter now it all makes sense mm -hmm. uh, strain said the move is due in part You're to a, change, a need man. for some creative renewal but primarily motivated by family i've been getting to a point where my family needed me he said and my wife's family needed her too there are a lot of forces around that drawing 
around that drawing us back he emphasized however that he's also incredibly proud of the games he and the team built at undead labs state of decay is still on its way to achieving its ultimate vision he said referring to the upcoming state of decay 3 and he's nothing but kind words for microsoft on his way out of undead labs which microsoft acquired in 2018 quote if you look at the way they manage and deal with the studios they've acquired over the past five years versus 10 years ago or 15 years ago there's a profound difference they do a good job of acknowledging that diversity of development cultures is a strength and not a weakness and they support that and encourage that to the the greatest degree that they can they've done a good job of protecting the development cultures of all the development studios and that's why by and large i think people are happy working there uh joining strain at possibility space is a pretty ridiculous group of people here uh jane ng formerly of Camposanto and valve uh austin walker the homie formerly Woo! of waypoint media friends at the table podcast uh coming in as i think creative ip director or something like that which is like director of ip which is insane insane yeah uh, Liz England, formerly of Ubisoft and Warner Brothers, Richard Foge from Undead Labs, Brandon Dillon from Oculus and Double Fine, Leia Rivera from Undead Labs, Brian Jennings from NZXR and Magically, Charles Randall from Ubisoft and Bioware, Erica Tam from Electronic Arts and Oculus. Uh, some will work out of New Orleans, but most will not. The pandemic accelerated a lot of trends that were already in place, Strain said. So yeah, kind of a all-star team there uh, coming over to work on this. I think it's it's exciting personally to me that they're talking about making a triple a game and especially redefining what that can actually mean with the the mindset of what type of game they're trying to make what do you think that sounds uh very neat and pr speaky to me (laughs) Uh and i think he said all the right things you need to say in order for your for the people that are coming along with you on this journey to feel comfortable and knowing that they're kind of with a good leader and they're gonna all sort of have this same sort of vision what i get from this most though tim um is it's very sad it's very very sad news so um jane ing who used to work at campo santa was the art director and on um valley on firewatch and also in the valley of the gods and her leaving valve just is like oh that's the that's the last nail in the coffin right there tim oh it breaks my heart dude i interviewed with her when i wanted when i almost worked at firewatch or when i almost worked at campo santa that she, is I was, awesome i was right there tim i was like top yeah. five you would have been one of the gods in the valley i'd be i mean who knows i'd be you know kicking it with gabe newell you know what i mean at this point no no this be andy and gabe andy and gabe yeah so um i as far as this studio goes i'm super uh happy for austin walker i um we'll see what they're making right i mean there's not a whole lot of hints as to what sort of property they're gonna bring um but it's it's exciting whenever you can kind of bring in a mash unit of all these big names you know yeah, totally. Uh, man, you're bringing up Valley of the Gods. I'm so sad. Like, do you think we'll ever see it? Or is that no. thing dead? No, yeah. it's gone, dude. It's That's gone. so sad. It's so gone. The water <laughs> looks so good, Andy. It was beautiful. I just that game swim is it. so dead, homie. It sucks. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, like to your point, like, there, there isn't much here of, like, in terms of announcements of what this possibly could be. But I do think that the, the goal's in the right place. And I think that, like, hitting that level of expectation of what this game is especially after just seeing something like kane of bridge of spirits that you know what would you call that is that triple a and it's like i feel like you can kind of argue yes and no and both would be very valid opinions there and i think that i want to see more of those type of games like i want to see like these smaller independent studios kind of be able to swing for the fences a little bit more and go higher budget than what we traditionally think of for smaller studios and uh to back that up though you need the team and like the the expertise and knowledge of how to work together and you know kind of make it all 
able to cut the fat out so you can focus on the actual problems at hand instead of like creating more problems. And again, this type of lineup of, of team across all of these different companies, like that's bringing in a lot of expertise uh, on how to make AAA video games. Like we're talking, you know, Ubisoft, EA, like going around, I mean, all the way down to Valve. It's like, these are some groups that have made many, many high quality games from the level all the way down from indie all the way up to AAA. But there's been, a, they are, definers of AAA in the third party space at least you know I, I think one thing that excites me a lot about it is that these are people coming from gigantic corporations um that may not have their ear to the ground as to what players actually want and I think them leaving those big spaces and coming more to a, a smaller scale studio uh even though you know they're gonna hire a bunch of people of course yeah. but uh, the idea that um I feel like a lot of these a lot of these devs nowadays understand that it's okay to make a really, really damn good eight hour game. And we don't have to strive for more. And it's, it's all about, you know, it, it's less is more. We want quality over quantity. We, you don't need to give us a 30 hour campaign in order for us to feel sati uh, satiated. And if you're going to stretch it out and have a bunch of filler in there, that's largely going to be a detriment towards your game. So like, I, I feel like a lot of these devs nowadays, especially with all these people leaving these, again, people are, a lot of these devs are leaving Ubisoft. They are leaving um, EA. They are leaving Valve and they're coming to a more, to a place where I feel like they can kind of control their narrative a bit more. Yeah, dude, absolutely. You know, in, in comedy, there's the type five. Just give us the solid eight. That's all that we mm -hmm. want for the video games, right, Andy? Me and you, Absolutely. hand in hand, playing these eight-hour video games. We'll bust them out one after the 15 other. Fifteen hours you know? most, right? Fifteen, 15 hours, hours at max. Fifteen hours with collectibles. You know what yeah. I mean? That's you back and try to explore and have some fun, man. Oh, what I say a world. that, but what I put like dream. I say that, but I put like seventy hours into Ghost of Tsushima this past year. <laughs> but I want that to exist as yeah, well. You know, 100%. like that's kind of the beauty of video games, especially now. Is like we have the ability to have experiences at every level with with the level of, of quantity quality can be all over the place because it's going for a different type of experience different type of gamer because there are many types of gamers out there now uh moving on to the next story here the nintendo switch oled uk launch is significantly bigger than the switch Lite. this comes from christopher dring at gamesindustry.biz Nintendo Switch OLED has got off to a strong start in the UK. Last week, it was the 14th biggest week for Switch console sales in the UK since the machine launched in 2017. All 13 higher positions are during the peak Christmas and Black Friday sales periods or the launch week of the Switch itself, which is the fourth biggest week overall. So that, that's key info there. It makes a lot of sense. Like We haven't even hit that, that point. I wonder if we get the supply up to be able to reach the demand. I doubt it. Uh, it comfortably outperformed the launch week of the Nintendo Switch Lite in 2019, which ranks as the 57th biggest week for Switch. That's crazy. Like, hold on, let's stop there for a second. The 57th biggest week for Switch, and the Switch Lite did well. So that just means that there are so many months <laughs> that the Switch is just fucking dominating. <laughs> the Dude, Switch uh, is on a run. It's yeah. on a run that we had never seen before, Dan. This is crazy. Absolutely. Uh, the Switch Lite was a slow burner for Nintendo. The Lite version currently represents around 20% of total Switch sales since it launched in the UK. Uh, the OLED version of the Switch accounted for 70% of all Switch sales last week. And after just one week, the new edition accounts for 7% of all Switch UK sales during 2021. Uh, the biggest week for Switch in the UK was during Black Friday 2019, followed by Black Friday 2018, and then Black Friday 2020. That's interesting. That even 
with all this pandemic stuff, even with all the chip shortages and production issues, that Black Friday 2020 is still the third biggest week. Well, I mean, they were on sale for 50 cents off that week, Tim. It was a big uh-huh. Nintendo was like, you know what? We're going to give it up for we're our community. You out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Switch OLED launched alongside the new Metro Dread game, which is the highest grossing launch for a Metro game in the UK chart history. Uh, any of this surprise you at all? I mean, well, first off, it must be nice to have a Switch OLED, you know? Uh, must be nice to actually have, you know, have it in your hands and, you know, for all of y'all that were right there to pre-order it immediately, you know, I wish I could relate. Oh, wait, I was there. I pre-ordered it immediately, Tim. Mm-hmm. Where is it? God, Sacramento. <laughs> it's fucking like, oh, yeah, you'll get it by Wednesday. Okay, first off, it's like a week after it comes out. And it's it's in Sacramento this morning. I'm not getting it this morning. I'm not getting it today, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there, Tim. Um, so so with this though, uh, numbers I always really love talking about when we're talking about the Switch here is looking at this list of best-selling game consoles uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, and currently we got the Nintendo Switch coming in at the seventh highest-selling console of all time at eighty-nine million, uh, with the Wii the next above it at one hundred and one, and then it goes j- PlayStation at one hundred and two, PlayStation Four at one hundred sixteen. The Game Boy family at 118, the DS family at 154, and the PS2 at number one at just over 155. Where do you see the Switch ending up? Gosh, dude, I just think about what if they could keep up with demand? That's like sort of the 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 unknown quantity that I that I always kind of think about is like what if there were switches to buy during throughout all of the pandemic and they weren't such in they weren't in such short supply. I we know Nintendo. We know they love their iterations. We saw 94 different versions of the 3DS, you know. Uh, I think the Switch name will keep on going for another six, seven, eight years. Uh, no, probably longer than that, honestly. Uh, and it's going to have different versions of itself, and we might get that upgraded version. We might get another upgraded version in the future, Tim. Who knows? I see it. Um, what was number two again? Number two is the DS family. At 154. Yes. It's, when so you that, say the, it's the family thing. It's it the is. family thing. And, and at the end of the day, it will be the Switch family, right? Like, I, I'm willing to bet that the next Switch we get, like, that we will get some type of Switch Pro that is semi-backwards compatible to some extent, and it's going to count as the Switch family. Like, we're not going to get the Switch 2. It's all about uh, family. It's all about family, man. Because, like, the same thing, Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Like, there were Game Boy Color games that were not playable on the Game Boy, and I think that at some point that'll be true on the switch as well but nintendo with this install base they know what they got <laughs> they're just like hey like, i i can imagine nintendo at some point just adding 4k tech to be able to play like all the games and just being like cool we're never really going to go past this in terms of like the the tech behind our games like they're nintendo games and that's what they are yeah god dang i don't know man i I think at the pace that they're still going, they're still selling like crazy, even with the demand being uh, not super great for consumers. Uh, well, not not demand, but the supply not being super great for for consumers. I think it will beat the DS family. I don't think it'll catch up to PS2. Well, I mean, if it, 
If it does one, it's going to do the other because the DS family is at 154 and the PS2 is at 155. I think they cut it off immediately, Tim. I think <laughs> it's like, they're like out of respect to the PS2, yeah. they're like, "Yo, you were the first DVD player most people owned. We got to respect that shit." God, do you think about? I always think about that all the time. I think about, right? like, "Dad, we can have a DVD player if you just yeah. give me this." Like, what a sell! What a yeah. sell! Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think that it's definitely on its way to outpace the Wii. I think that you're right. If it weren't for the state of the world i do think it probably already would have outpaced the wii i do think that there's a lot of people that nintendo knows are going to buy multiple iterations of the console whether it's for themselves wanting different experiences like you bought a launch switch but you want the light for the portability and you want the the extra portability and you want the oled because you love that or one or the other or you're buying it for your family or all this stuff like Switches are the type of thing people can buy multiple of, and I think Nintendo's going to want to keep that going for as long as possible. Um, it's also, already four years in. It's also super wild to me that I think like the Wii, one of the biggest selling points was the fact that it came with Wii Sports, and that's an included game, and you don't have to worry about buying a new thing. You could just get the console, and it came with it. And the idea that the Switch doesn't do that, aside from you know, bundles that they are making specifically of this. Mm-hmm. This is the Mario bundle or whatever the hell. Um, I think that's crazy that it's still selling that well. But I think by this point, also, the general public understands video games a lot more. And totally uh, by this point, you know, all the young kids that were gamers have ex- <laughs> a disposable income now. And now they are buying their own consoles. So, yeah, um, this is wild. Yeah. You know, it's wild and what's really interesting, you bringing that up of like, yeah, more people know about games now and are aware and understanding of how they all work, which is why looking at these numbers, the thing that stands out to me most is the original PlayStation coming in at number five at 102 million units sold. Like, that's crazy. Like, that definitely represents a shift in the culture of video games and like what that meant to go from the Super Nintendo era to the, the next gen, like. You know, the N64 is way down there at 32 million. I, I think a lot of that is also just how much, how long it was around for also. <laughs> I, th- mm-hmm. I think with the original PlayStation, you're so right, though. Like the idea that Nintendo is sort of this household name when it comes to video games. And the first PlayStation could have easily been the Tiger Electronics thing or whatever. It could have just been the sort of side hustle that that one corporation is making. And then it just never goes anywhere. The fact that it is sitting at number five is pretty crazy to me yeah yeah i mean it's crazy to look at even that the same gen there of sega saturn n64 and playstation playstation at 102 n64 at 32 and then sega saturn guess andy um five nine million oh god (laughs) (laughs) but it's more than the dreamcast oh no oh that's gotta hurt dude for oh my gosh that's really really bad because i don't really less than the vita because like here's the thing i don't see a whole lot of people championing the sega saturn mm-hmm. it's mostly the dreamcast that sort of has you know your um your speed racer is a good movie type fans you know totally <laughs> like, yeah, so true so true. <laughs> hey, hey, let's chill out right <laughs> no that's that's a good point but i mean another thing to keep in mind about dreamcast and by extension saturn is they both had extremely short shelf lives because like huh. the dreamcast kind of came out early a year earlier than the ps2 right so that cut the saturn's life cycle off early so and sad. then dreamcast the dream died <laughs> pretty so pretty sad. soon the, uh, the the dream was cast into fire but it had that little memory card that had the screen on it Come did on it did uh before we talk about our next story 
let's talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Purple Mattress. Picture this, you're in bed ready for a good night's sleep. It's hot, you're sweaty, your neighbors are causing a ruckus. So are the cicadas who emerge from the ground after 17 years of getting ready to mate, scream, and die. Sounds peaceful, right? Wrong, unless you add a purple mattress into that equation. That's because only purple mattresses have the grid, a fancy ventilated design that lets air flow through to keep you cool. It's also super comfy supporting your back and legs, but cushioning you in all the right places. I can attest to this. I absolutely love uh, the purple, the grid pillow that I have, and it is so perfectly cool. I never need to flip it because it's both sides. It's always cool. It's always making me feel good. Purple is comfort reinvented right now. You you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. You go to purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Use the promo code kind of funny 10. That's purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Promo code kind of funny 10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Promo code kind of funny 10. Next up, let's talk about Demon Slayer. It's time to become the blade that destroys demons in Demon Slayer, Kometsu no Yaiba, the Hinokami Chronicles, launching on October 15th on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox, and Steam. Tanjiro comes home to find his family brutally murdered and his sister, Nezuko, transformed into a demon. So, Tanjiro does what anyone would do, vow to become a demon slayer to restore his sister's humanity and kill the demon that massacred his family. Duh. Based on the anime of the same name and the box office hit, the Mugen Train arc, this game's adventure mode lets you relive the most memorable moments and battles. There's also a versus mode where you can choose any combination of two characters to face off. With exhilarating gameplay and a whole bunch of skills and characters from the anime, rise up to become the strongest of the demon slayers. Pre-order Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba The Hinokami Chronicles to unlock two bonus characters and get early access to the game to pre-order go to the link in the description finally shout out to raycon we can't control the vibes of the world around us but with a pair of raycon wireless earbuds we can at least control the vibes in our heads uh cool greg's training for a half marathon he's been getting his run on he's been working out using his raycons he's been loving them whether you use them to get hyped to relax to work or work out raycons are about to be your new best friends for on the go audio the new everyday earbuds look feel and sound even better than ever somehow and are still half the price of other premium audio brands raycons are sure to impress you before you you even turn them on with their new and improved look, feel, and optimized gel tips for flawless in-ear fit. The coolest thing is their new awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings instead of your jams. Right now, Kind of Funny Games daily listeners can get 15% off your first Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash kfgd. That's buyraycon.com slash kfgd to save 15% on Raycons. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash kfgd. The next news story is as follows. Final Fantasy XIV is the most profitable game in the entire franchise. This comes from Matt Kim at IGN. Before I even get into the details of it, Andy, does this surprise you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just think we just talked about PS1 sales and PS2 sales, and yeah, definitely shocking to me. Uh, during a recent hands-on preview event for the upcoming Final Fantasy XIV and Walker expansion, director Naoki Yoshida revealed that the Square Enix popular MMORPG recently has surpassed 24 million players. Furthermore, it's the most profitable Final Fantasy game in the series. Speaking to the press in a digital preview event, Yoshida revealed that the player count has hit 24 million uh, 11 years after Final Fantasy XIV was first released. How the fuck is that a real number? 
damn. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just like, kind of like, what year are we in? <laughs> I'm just yeah. kind of that. <laughs> wait. Yeah, that doesn't add up. It didn't come out in 2010. No, it came, yeah, it came out in 2014, right? 2013? 2015. No. When did Final Fantasy 14 come out? Pretty sure it's 2013. <laughs> Wait, oh my, dude, we're seriously like, I mean, Tim, it's almost been a decade, dude. Yeah. Oh, That's it says, wait, no, it says September 30th, 2010, initial release Holy date. shit, it actually came out in 2010? What? I want to vomit, Tim. I want to, like, this is. No. This is painful to me. This oh, is painful to me. no. Well, all right. Well, back in 2015, they had 4 million registered players. So this game has had quite the rise in the last six years. Uh, the number hit 10 million by the time the third expansion, Stormblood, was released in 2017 before doubling in the next four years. Uh, quote, you all know just how hard things were us with the original Final Fantasy XIV. Since then, we were able to transform the title into one that provides a major contribution to our company's profits. Good for you, Yoshida. Good for you. Indeed, Yoshida says Final Fantasy XIV is the most profitable title in the Final Fantasy series. It's perhaps unbecoming of me to say, but in terms of our business, we've been able to achieve great success. Moving Hell forward, yeah. we're going to spare no expense with our investments to ensure that this game continues to be one which our players can enjoy. Fuck yeah, dude. Talk what a your shit, story. dude. Have your moment, man. <laughs> yeah, what a success story. I'm still completely shocked that it is the best-selling game, even though we just mentioned it's been out for 11 years now, which is really just painful for my brain to kind of absorb. But I just think about all the re-releases of all the other Final Fantasy titles, mm -hmm. and that's it, this is kind of wild to me that it's reached this level of success. Um, I I think, Tim, we pivot our whole business to become a Final Fantasy XIV business. Mm -hmm. I think we will achieve great success if we Directly do compete with Michael Hyam. Yes, like, hey, yes, yes. We're going to exactly. do what you're doing, but just worse. But just worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll we have no knowledge on it, which is, you know, usually the case for me mm -hmm. anyway. But I think this is like a good angle we take. Shout out to them, though. Th this is wild. And obviously, like, we're not talking about some tiny little indie studio like Hello Games that kind of <laughs> had mm -hmm. this crazy resurgence. But the fact that it was such a disappointment near launch and has just turned into the the biggest Final Fantasy title of all time is really wild to me. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm trying to look at Final Fantasy sales numbers and, and just trying to see, like, besides this, what is the highest number? The, the highest one I'm seeing now, uh, and it's cheating a little bit, but Final Fantasy VII, which includes, like, every version of Final Fantasy VII, is at 24 million. Hmm. Um, but I don't know that you should count that because it's also counting the remake, which is a different game. <laughs> That's a lot of freaking money, dude. But either way, yeah, that's that's a lot of games there. God um, damn. Yeah, like Final Fantasy fourteen is like ten million sold, fifteen is at nine million. So yeah, it's like the the numbers are actually a lot higher than I expected them to be. because uh, a lot of times when you go back and talk about older games, like they just did not sell nearly as well as you would have expected these classics. Like Final Fantasy Six is at ten million. Which I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds about in line with what I'd expect Final Fantasy VI to be, right? Like one of the most classic Final Fantasy games of all time. Like even though you haven't played it, you've heard about VI, right, Andy? Yes, 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 yes. And I, I do this every once in a while on Games Daily, and I don't think I've done it with you. How many copies do you think Chrono Trigger sold? Uh, I'm going to say 
three million. Round two million. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. About right. That's, that's about right. crazy though. One of the yeah. most iconic games ever, and it's like after two million sales. I feel like, like that's. I feel like that happens a lot with older games that you bring up, and you know, yeah. even especially with Metroid Dread, kind of on the brain. I just all the yeah. discussions of what past Metroids have sold and past other big Nintendo IPs that you wonder why aren't they back, and then you see how much they sold back then, and it's kind of you go, oh, okay, I understand. I yeah. think the the biggest sort of uh, testament for the quality of the game, though. It, and the sales is the fact that it is so successful and it's essentially free to play. And when the quality of the game is so high that you are then buying into yep. the game, you are then, mm -hmm. you know, buying your way into getting all the expansions. And I know you have like this many free levels to play into the level cap or whatever. I know the meme. Uh, I love the meme whenever I see it. I love memes, Tim. Love them. You love do. them when I meme see them. Queen Andy Cortez. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think that it, it's such a testament to the quality of the game that that many people try it out and then say, okay, I'll buy in. I'll go ahead mm -hmm. and put some dollars down because I'm that invested into it now. I don't really know what the game does outside of purchasing the core content. I don't know what the monetization the there is. doing it, I respect that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I really don't know if it's doing a bunch of microtransactions, though. Yeah. Do we know uh, that? I, I don't, but I imagine it is. And there's the subscription-based stuff. I know that there's all the like the costumes and like you're paying for the subscription stuff to like kind of like help you as you're you're going through, just helping with the grind of all of it and just making it more enticing and and worth your time. But it sounds like what you're nailing it, where it's like Monthly the game is quality. Says Brian McBrian, yeah, yeah. So it's like the the quality of the game is there, so it, people want to pay for it because they want to support the experience being as high quality as it is and they continue to kind of like work in a cycle it's like the perfect way for everyone to be happy both the gamers and the people trying to make money off making games so yeah um really exciting stuff but yeah i can't wait to see andy cortez's final fantasy 14.com competition with my we're Lyons. just we're just switching the our our web page tim over we're just switching it over Love if you it. go to countofunny.com it'll just direct uh, immediately to that yeah good good uh the next news story EA's FIFA dispute is reportedly over demands for a double $2.5 billion fee. This comes from Jordan Midler at VGC. EA is reportedly considering walking away from the FIFA license due to the body's demands for around $2.5 billion over the next decade. Uh, that's according to a new report from the New York Times, which cites people close to negotiations who claim that the footballing body is asking EA <laughs> to more than double what it paid previously for the FIFA name. Every time I fucking read shit that I don't know what I'm talking about, whether it's like <laughs> Dark Souls, Bloodborne jargon, or like sports <laughs> stuff, like the fucking footballing body. All right. The publication reports that at least two years of talks about renewing the contract that allows EA to use the organization's name hit the wall after FIFA asked for $1 billion for each four years world cup cycle fifa the governing body that controls world football is also said to be keen to limit the extent of ea's rights while the game's publisher reportedly wants to explore highlights of actual games arena video game tournaments and digital products like nfts what is this hellscape we live in andy oh, god this sucks EA's current 10-year FIFA naming deal expires after next year's Qatar World Cup. EA publicly stated that it was exploring cutting ties with the FIFA name in an unusual press release published earlier this week. Tim, it's okay mm -hmm. for you to feel confused. Mm -hmm. I am thoroughly confused by a lot of what FIFA is and how they operate. I don't understand what the corporate structure is. I, I know that there's basically like 
one dude who's the king of fifa <laughs> like you the governing body yeah the governing body I, it, it's such a weird organization that i i can't really relate to it in a lot of way because i just obviously i don't watch soccer i don't watch uh football uh mm -hmm. tim so it's really hard for me to kind of understand what's going on there i understand what's happening in the nfl and the nba and the and major league baseball but fifa is this sort of weird kind of thing that i need to learn more about because i am a sports fan but anytime I hear, I read articles like this, it really feels like I'm reading um, like pages that didn't make it into Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, like yep. governing bodies and all this stuff. It, it's just a lot of jargon. And you're absolutely right. It is jargon that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now, what makes me just most sad is that, uh, you know, digital products like NFTs, like stuff like that just kind of hurts my soul to read um, when it comes oh. to video games. <laughs> I went to FIFA.com to see if I could make sense of it. And um, the top story is Hungry Denmark Find Recipe for Success. So, huh. that. Okay. Federación Internacional de Football Association. There we go. Okay. There we go. Uh, $2.5 billion. A lot, of, a lot of dinero, Andy Cortez. Crazy. We've been talking a lot about this the last couple of days on Games Daily about, like, does it really matter at the end of the day? Like, what if they, they change it? Because the rumors are they're going to call it EA's FC which stands for football, football club. club. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did I you know that? that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Did you? No, I don't think you did. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah, not no, a chance. Hell. <laughs> um, but anyways, <laughs> they might do that. We'll see. Because two point five billion is a lot, but they were already doing one billion every four years, but they didn't like that. So that's it's that's complicated. What with the two point five? No, I guess two point five billion would be for the next decade. We'll see, man. I don't really know. <laughs> it's a cash count. I really feels like that's that side of the operations. Like it feels like a crime. Like I feel, I feel like I There's feel like there are shady going on. I feel like there are crime bosses kind of behind whenever I, there, I, I, I mean, read there, articles about this. There, stuff. But like, wasn't there like there was a huge scandal where there were a bunch of people getting paid off and shit like that came out. Was it last year or like six months ago? I feel like Kevin, I feel like we've already been talking out of our ass, and I don't know if we need to add scandal. We don't need to add scandal to our No, to but it was ignorance. like enormous, enormous scandal. Like it was all over. It doesn't matter. It's very mob-like, and a bunch of people got fired. Yep, the oh, president was arrested. Correct. Yeah, yeah, the president was arrested. So there we go. There we go. Moving on to the next story that we yeah. can speak Please to. Please, God, move on, Jim. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> PlayStation celebrates five years of PSVR. This comes from Isabel Tomatis at PS Blog. Today marks the fifth anniversary of the day PlayStation VR was introduced to the world, and we want to take this moment to thank all of our fans and our talented development community for embracing the platform and supporting PSVR through the years. It's amazing to see how virtual reality has really established itself in the past five years as the platform for gaming, and we're pleased to have PSVR play a big role in VR's growth. To celebrate this milestone, we wanted to give a special thank you to PlayStation fans. Starting in November, PlayStation Plus members will get three PSVR bonus games for no extra charge. Stay tuned for more wow. details in the PlayStation Plus update in the next few weeks. Uh, the most played PSVR games globally. In order, number one, Rec Room. Number two, Beat Saber. Number three, PlayStation VR Worlds. Number four, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim VR. And number five, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Very cool stuff. Very cool Congratulations, stuff. Congratulations, VRUs. You get a bunch of free games. I hope you all have fun with it. I'm, um, man, I, I'll, 
I'm thinking back to when I wanted to bring home that VR, Tim, and I wanted to fart around in dreams. Mm -hmm. I wanted to try to do some 3D sculpting. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized, like, I don't have a setup for this. I'm going to punch my TV. This is not a, a, an ideal setup. Um, when was the last time you put a VR headset on your head, Tim? In a while. Uh, it was probably Oculus Quest 2, two I want right? to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was like the during the beginning of quarantine, I, I was pretty heavy into VR. Oh, Saber. okay. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. I feel I like the last I... time I did it, I was falling in love with the uh, caddy in um, oh, yeah. Hot Shots Golf oh, yeah. VR. And everybody's mm. golf VR. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was a good one. really weird. Yeah. I think I'm going to go super hard back into VR, guys. Really? Yeah. I have the space for it. You know? Are you. Um, are, are we talking like vehicular type things? Are you going into racing? Definitely. Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I'm going to have a okay. couple different VR setups here. A couple should, different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, have, we got to get you. I have three in my house. We got to get a butt kicker for your VR share. Best oh, investment ever. Base shaker. I thought shaker. you were talking about the VR thing, Tim, where you're kind of harnessed in and you run against the yeah. slippery thing to kind of have you run i would love cool. to see kevin in one real, of those yeah can you imagine oh god i love it i, I love got it. space for it if you guys uh talk to someone have one sent over i'll i'll put it up i'll put it up um we're gonna move on to Why? wanting let's commit you know, to it you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah but kevin committing to you having a full vr room is so far away if I want to know what was coming to Mama Graph Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Thank you, Kevin. Big damn hero in the chat says it's called an omnidirectional treadmill. Get it right, Andy. No, <laughs> they, Fuck, dude. They, that, let's go back to the ultra voids in our omnidirectional treadmills, Andy. <laughs> let's go for it. What's up, Kev? We wouldn't be doing that. that that's too much. That's too much. Out today, we got Critadel on Switch and PC. We got Amortis Tempest on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. We got Caddy and Daddy, the Spirit Guide on Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One. We have Illumion on Switch and PC, Starlight Alliance on Switch, Gladiator Guild Manager on PC and Mac, Midnight Protocol. Oh, fuck yeah, on PC and Mac. We're gonna, we have a good day for dope words here, Andy. Omnidirectional I, treadmill, ultra void, and how midnight protocol. When you said, oh, yeah, I was like, either Tim loves this game and is really excited it's finally out, or he's stoked about the combination of words midnight and protocol. Yeah, it's just so easy to get me. It's like Proxima uh, Midnight, yeah. It fucking is, dude. Is there any cooler name wasted no. on a, a character in the MCU? I don't think so. Uh, new dates for you. Ubisoft has indefinitely postponed the closed test for Ghost Recon Frontline. So there you go, Andy. What's I know going you are. on? What, what wait, are wait, wait, wait. What about Obsidian Black? Like, wasn't oh, that his that, name? I mean, well, uh, Cole, Ebony, Ebony Maw. Cole, Ebony Ebony Maw. Yeah, yeah, Cole right. Obsidian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was the last Obsidian. one? There's one we're missing. Oh, Jasper. Jasper. 
<laughs> Jasper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jasper Higgins. <laughs> Corvus Glaive. Missing link Corvus in the chat. Corvus Glaive. There we there go. We there go. we fucking go. Uh, deals of the day. The Jet Force Gemini vinyl soundtrack is up at Fangamer for $39. You can obviously tell the Blessing at Oye Jr. made the run of show for this that I'm reading now. But jokes aside, this shit looks dope as fuck. I love that they're doing this. Fangamer is awesome. Recently, Andy, you posted an Instagram story of a print you got for your bathroom, and it is fucking gorgeous i'm not a dark souls person at all but i am a huge fan of the tasteful video game art prints and man that shit is hot yeah yeah they have it up now and it finally came in stock it's 8 by 24 it's one of them long prints long vertical ones like i have in the back i have uh, the legend of zelda one right there and uh it is essentially the layout of all of the levels in accordance to how they were kind of designed and kind of built on top of each other because that game is just so interwoven with the uh, every level so interwoven with the other um and it's just kind of a cool little artist drawing of going through all the spaces and it. it's really really neat uh, i love fan gamer yep very damn cool stuff uh now it's time to squat up we can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write in for all the games that you want to play with some best friends out there uh today we got clint gilmore writing in his psn name is clint underscore underscore g so there's two underscores in there clint g with two underscores uh, looking for someone to help me get the platinum in pga tour 2k 21 the only trophy i'm missing is invite only where you play a private match with someone seeing as this game came to ps plus this month i'm sure there are plenty of kfps that now have it and wouldn't mind playing around Go help them out. This is I love this squad up because there's a specific call to action. They have a goal in mind, and it's an attainable, easy goal for people. So go help out Clint underscore underscore G. Yeah, every week, Tim, about 15,000 people watch this and more people than that listen to it. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are like, damn, I've been wanting to get this stupid ass PGA trophy. It's just hard. Who am I going to invite? There's got to be somebody else out there in this big yeah. pool of people. Um Clint also uh, tweeted at us, and I wanted to to reply to you, Clint. The guys have watched. I think you should leave. I have not. Clint tweeted as recently, like, "Have you all watched this?" And and you all have talked uh, before that you it's all love that really, show. Really, really good. Um, I've only seen I, half of it, but it's. I, I've only seen a couple of episodes, and mostly my uh, uh, me absorbing. Uh, I think you should go is all through TikTok. Pretty much. Yeah. I totally. think you should leave. Sorry. I think you should leave. Andy, you need to watch. <laughs> like, it doesn't all hit, but some of it hits in a way that is it Andy Cortez brain type yeah. shit. And also the whole two seasons, I think you can watch in like less than three hours. Mm-hmm. Like every episode is I think 15 minutes, and there's only six episodes a season or something like they that. They go so fast, that's so good. So fast. I love it. So goddamn funny. Uh you can go to kindofunny.com slash you're wrong to let us know what we get wrong. Uh pixelated soul coming in saying Rocket League's currency is credits. That is a lot less boring than Rocket De Niro. Rocket De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's see, Nanobiologist just reminding us that we have four Avatar sequels coming. Um, and mm-hmm. Avatar has five, has a release date of December 22nd, 2028, seven years from now. Right around so, the corner. Mm-hmm, Christ. Mm-hmm. Blinking, you'll be there. You know. Is that the only thing that James Cameron has been working on for the last since? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. 
uh, dude, I oh my gosh, I will be 41 when the final Avatar movie comes oh, out. Oh no! Don't <laughs> say that, Andy. Oh my god! Oh my Let god. us know in the comments below how old you'll be <laughs> when Avatar Five comes out. Uh, we're about to do the post show right now. Me and Andy hanging out, talking about more video games, and then we're gonna record our Star Wars Visions episode seven, eight, and nine kind of funny screencast that you can go check out on YouTube.com/slash kind of funny later today. Very excited to talk to the boys about that but until next time andy good day to you good day to you great day